for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back. Happy Tuesday. It is December 19th, 2023. This is episode 366. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and with me is David Riley. What is going on, my friend from another fen? I don't know. I'm just starting to do those weird things. It's like, I don't know why last week I said, uh, my brother from another mother. It just came to me. I'm like, that's so weird, stupid, but we're going to run it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it. It's almost like it's towards the end of the calendar year, right? Like it you're is. almost running out of things to, to uh, say right off the bat. But it's hard to believe, you know, if I'm looking at the calendar today, we have this Tuesday and we only have one more Tuesday for Dude. the fall podcast episode in the, you know, the year 2023 and then we're going to be rolling into a brand new year and i'll uh i i won't lie there's get there gets to be a, a point in the year about this time especially with deer season where it's like i'm ready to get the new season started i'm ready for that blank slate i'm ready to start back at ground zero and do it all over again but i tell you what though outside of that today's podcast guest I enjoyed the shit out of this conversation. You know, you know, you know of Alex Gilstrom, our our guest today. You guys have known each other for a long time, but I have not. But yeah. after after this conversation, and even during this conversation, it, I felt like this is the kind of guy I could meet anywhere in the Midwest and share hunting camp with, and have these exact same conversations. No, I agree, and you know. I think after we got on recording, you and I chatted later that day or whatever, and you said, you're like, dude, this is probably like, what did you say? Like top two, top three podcasts we've ever done, like mm -hmm. in your opinion, you know? And, um, and just to put that into perspective, this year alone, 2023, so far as we sit here, we've done 108 podcasts in a year. That's like, crazy. And, and 
you know, that's a lot. I don't think we'll ever top that. And that that was averaging like over two podcasts a week. Now, the season 23 episodes really help out there. But I'll tell you this, everybody, like, I would love to tell you that we're going to double down on content, but I'm not going to lie to you. It got to a point where it was almost burnout for us. Mm -hmm. Like it's, we, we very much want to do the quality over quantity. So, you know, not saying that we're not going to put out multiple episodes a week, but like last year we did it like every week, like two Mm -hmm. podcasts almost every week. So, um, yeah, with that's a sidebar, but, uh, yeah, that's pretty big praise because Alex is, uh, is a, is a really good guy. I've known Alex for a long time, like you said. And, uh, the conversation, I had a whole list of things in my notes right here to go through. I mean, I've got a a front page and a back page to go through. And I mean, we definitely went down a different tangent, but it was really good. Like, yeah. We, and in in our opinion, and I'm going to speak for both of us here, but like going out of 2023 couldn't be a better way of going out with, the, you know, with this podcast. And we got another good one coming up next week as well. But this one was really good. Yeah. I, I, I you know, you're looking at that conversation we had, it, it, it's so organic, right? Like it's, it's very relatable, you know, and, and there's always something, you know, we always talk about you know, that we love being partnered with like some of these Michigan based companies. But I, I always love talking to guys that were born and raised in Michigan and then maybe moved to a better whitetail state. And he happened to move, you know, right kind of in, in the heart of the Midwest. And it's his story is so unique because you'll hear inside of it, you know, he, he works for one of the biggest, like kind of whitetail land companies in America, but that's not necessarily where his passion lies with his style of hunting and we yeah. go down a big rabbit hole, you know, and, and, and you think about our conversation, like we almost in the beginning was, it was like a therapy session for you. Cause we were, you know, talking about your experiences on, on the Kansas public land and, and what he's encountered and seen over the years where it's, it was just, it was a great conversation, man. It was like, we were, we could have been sitting at a bar top somewhere, with you know a couple uh long necks and just having this exact same conversation in my opinion yeah i couldn't agree more it it, uh alex is alex has been around seen a lot of things and hunted in a lot of different states and different areas whether that be public private lease ground um permission ground he's done it all he really has and he's done it at a pretty high level yeah and he's just got a knack for getting on deer and the conversation was so good i called alex back i'm like hey man I want to, I want to lock you in for like the whole year and like have you on a couple times this year and like, let's just quarterly installments. Yeah. 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 Like a quarterly deal or we haven't really figured out the details on that, but he's like, let's do it. You know, Mm -hmm. um, I will say he does live in Illinois in a town that is literally the, I'm not going to say it's the armpit of the world, but as far as cell phone service goes and internet, it is the armpit of the world. So (laughs) I've been there before. And I know that firsthand. So the first couple minutes here, we got some shaky audio from him, but it, it'll all buffer out. And it's a it's a really good podcast. Don't let the audio, um, you know, it's not terrible. To me, it is because I'm a perfectionist, but don't let the audio uh, really dictate, you know, the content because content's here. So that oh, is yeah. uh, that is today's podcast in a nutshell. But, you know, as we said here, we've recorded quite a few episodes for one giant mistake. We are on the the heels of one giant mistake. So 
Yeah, I know we've been talking about it, but one giant mistake, if anybody doesn't know what it is, we started a series last year that we usually do in January into to February, and it's talking about really big deer that people have made mistakes on, but not just like a deer that just kind of shows up. Like there's a little bit of history there, or, you know, it could be like a week long hunt and a deer shows up and then like you have multiple, you know, mistakes on them. Mm. And we talk about that last year, it went off with a bang. It is literally yeah. our most requested series out there. Uh, people love it. I, I, how many shows do we go to? And everybody's like, man, that one giant mistake thing you guys did. Like that is like ridiculously cool. It was like so cool to listen to. So January 2nd, I believe is going to be the first episode dropped and boy, we're dropping a banger on, mm-hmm. that, on January 2nd. So yeah. we're going to roll can, those out in January and February. Can I, uh, can I just leak a little bit, a little teaser for the first two episodes? Sure. Cause I can always cut it out without letting you know. Okay. <laughs> for all you guys listening, you, you know, the concept of one giant mistake. And like Aaron said, we've already recorded our first two episodes and it's two guests, one on each episode. And if I had a clicker for every mistake that happened in the first two episodes, we're almost rolling that clicker to double digits. We'll just leave that right there. Two episodes, almost, almost a combined 10 mistakes in two hunts basically yeah and we're not talking about mental lapses as like oh Mm -hmm. he was at this camera and i sat like that yeah that's a mistake but that's like a luck of the draw kind of thing we're talking about either arrows flung we're talking about encounters happening and probably should have shot him but you know had your pants around your knees and you couldn't like you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like those kind of mistakes like yep something that's like anybody could be like oh he was in he was over there in that wood lot and i just picked the wrong wood lot yeah, it's a mistake, but it's not like not what I'm looking for. You know, mm-hmm. like that happens we're, we're, to a lot of people. Yeah, we're talking the mi- kind of mistakes that happen inside a bow range. Those are mm. the kind of mistakes we're talking about. Yeah, and I will say, let me think. There's five, <laughs> six, seven, eight. I think there's nine mistakes all mm-hmm. within top pin club. Mm-hmm. On That's two what I'm talking episodes. about. Yeah, we're yeah. we're knocking on double digit numbers. Yeah. And uh, so with that being said, if you, we, we do want to get a couple more episodes. We have five uh, in the hopper right now. We'd like to probably get four more or so if we could. Um, we don't have to. That's just kind of what we want to do for January, February. But if you guys know anybody with a story or if you guys are the one with the story, hit us up and we're going to vet you out. We're going to ask you some questions, make sure, you know, not, not that it checks out, but we want it to also be very, um, you know, very engaging for the listener. And we don't want it to be like every other like podcast out there. I know it's, that's kind of, it's so watered down, but just trying to do a little extra. So we'll vet you out and I'd love to hear your story regardless. But, uh, I, I really like how season two is shaping up right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not only, I think of already the first two episodes, boy, we, we got a lot of, uh, pictures. We got a lot of video of these stories. So that's, that's also fun too. Yeah, for sure. Okay, we're going to hit some partner reads real quick, and then we're going to jump into this interview with uh, with uh, Alex. So first, Latitude Outdoors. If you use the code THEFALLPODCAST at latitudeoutdoors.com, you can get 15% off your order. Um, 10 mil ropes, the Carbon SS climbing stick, sticks, uh, you know, platforms if you want the X-Wing or if you want the Rebel. Uh, I like them both. I really do. I don't know. 
I don't know if one really edges out one yet, you know, so for me anyway, but they're very, I, I really like both of them. So, uh, any mobile gear that you guys want to try or get into, um, they, check they, they, they also have new merch out and a lot of people oh, ask for latitude yes. merch and that's there now. Yes. Latitude merch. We got some hoodies, we got some shirts, hats. So go to latitudeoutdoors.com. Check out the merch tab too, because there's some really cool stuff in there. Our our series grit that that uh, that you know went live on YouTube. We have some grit uh, hoodies and everything that are really cool. Um, go check those out and uh, save yourself money by using the code the fall podcast, all one word, lowercase. Uh, next, Helix Broadheads uh, Fall HX10. Use that code if you want to try out the FJ2 or the FJ4. They're single bevel broadheads, which I don't know. I just really love the single bevel because of the stability in flight, but also the rotation that you get after it goes through an animal. It still rotates. That's how it's designed. Um, it's a really accurate broadhead. It is dependable. It penetrates, and you can measure your set, your recovery in seconds. Now use the code FALLHX10 at helixbroadheads.com. I'm going to couple that with America's Best Bowstrings as well. They are sister companies. Use the code THEFALL to get yourself a new premium platinum or pursuit series string. Quality and perfection and peace of mind. Tons of different color options with twists and speckled or solid colors. Whatever you want to do, go on there. Use the code THEFALL. Next is Exodus Outdoor Gear. Use the code TF for 15% off on the AT&T 4G LTE rival cell cam. Now, before you guys think, well, I don't have an AT&T, AT&T phone. I don't either. And I still use the rivals, and so does Dave. We are mm-hmm. Verizon people. I think you're Verizon, are you? Yep. I'm Verizon. So, yeah, that doesn't matter. Uh, but we, we're running the rivals and some of the renders this year. But uh, some pertinent facts on that. 0.3 trigger speed, 70 feet, adjustable detection distance, Real-time data and video uploads. No additional cost for HD photos. You can share cameras with up to 10 different users. So if you're in a deer camp and you're putting cameras out and you want some of the old guys that don't know how to run tech, you know, tech, you can put it on their phone with the Scout Tech app and all their all the photos go to them as well. You get the five-year no BS warranty with theft and damage coverage on the cameras. Also, the 4G LTE booster antenna gets signal where the signal is less than ideal. Check them out at exodusoutdoorgear.com. Use the code TF if you guys would please do that. Save yourself a little money, but also help us out a little bit because that's what we're supposed to do for these companies. We we believe in these companies. We use the product. We like them, all of them. And, you know, in return, you know, we try to help them with sales and everything. So next is Garmin. Uh, the holiday sale right now. They still have a holiday sale going on right now so free shipping on all orders over $25 so whether you want to get a zero bow site whether you want to get a watch an inreach um you know the the new chronograph that they're they came out with any of that stuff if you want to get that any order over $25 you get free shipping so they have watches for style they have watches for fitness they have watches for golfers they have watches for hunters tactical personnel you name it they have it check them out at Garmin.com or your local Garmin dealer and uh, take advantage of that holiday sale. Yeah, I, I think I think for any guy that's been wanting the Garmin Bosa and maybe is like, man, it just it's it's a little bit pricey for me. 
I mean, it's Christmas. I would swing for the fences and put that thing on my Christmas list right now. Like, let's find out how well, much your wife loves you. You know what I mean? It, that, that, and you got tax returns coming up here soon, mm-hmm. too. So just, uh, you know, a couple months, you'll, you're not paying in, mm-hmm. which hopefully you're not. Um, <laughs> maybe you'll have some return there. So definitely look into the Garmin Bosa. I've had a lot of people reach out to me this year, like, switching to Garmin next year. And, and... One giant mistake, episode number one. The Garmin comes. It like we talk heavy about that because the hunter was not using one, and he even said, without even us say anything, I'll never shoot my bow again without a Garmin. And you guys yeah. will get the story why. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I think we had two guests from last year that ended up with a Garmin after their story. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, Buck Bourbon. Use the code TFP twenty. For anything you want to buy from Buck Bourbon, we actually recorded with a guy the other night that uh, I actually let him use my blind, took my Rackhouse 300 blind. I gave it to him. He was going to Iowa for late season. I'm like, hey, man, try this out because he asked me. He's like, how legit are the blinds? I'm like, I really like them a lot. I mean, a blind's mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of sense, a blind could be a blind, but there's some there's some functions on this blind that I like the saloon style door, the two way mesh and everything and how light it is. So I just gave it to him. He's going out. He's a he's a friend of ours, and he's going out to Iowa. And he's going to try it, and I'll bet you he's going to buy one after this. So, yeah. uh, with the blind, but the distiller's knife kit, the eight piece harvest harvest field kit, the no slip comfort handles, which are orange. So if you are out, you know, gutting a deer or something like that, or an animal, and it's dark, and you put your you know put your knife down or whatever on the ground or in the weeds, it's orange. It's really you can see it really well. There's reflection. Uh, like tape, it's not tape, but there's a reflection line on the sheath and everything. So you're not going to lose this stuff, but, uh, they have a caping knife, a skinning knife, a gut hook, a bone saw, a pen light with batteries, long and short gut gloves. Yes. Call me a sissy, but I like gut gloves. I put the big ones on like you're trying to take a calf out of a, out of a heifer. And I put the little gloves on over that to keep them nice and tight. So that is what I would be getting with this. But yeah. there's other things like the Rackhouse Ground Blinds as I was talking about. They have 20% off of that right now with free shipping until the end of the year. Right there. Yeah. Until mm-hmm. the end of the year, go get yourself a Rackhouse 300 plus Ground Blind. They also have minerals and tractants, food plot seed. You name it, they got it. What were you going to say? Because I cut you off. Oh, you're okay. I was just, I was just going to say that uh, you know when, when you let that guy borrow those, those Ground Blinds to head to Iowa... Little does he know that, you know, we, he thought you were just doing a super nice gesture. But when he opens them up, there's going to be a permission slip in there that says that we just need this signed by you <laughs> for permission. <laughs> <out now. laughs> yeah. yep. he, yeah. he just he pops them open and he sits down and it just kind of drops down from the ceiling. Like, uh, you know, David Riley and Aaron Blaise, you need permission in, you know, 2025 for this piece of land sign here. <laughs> like, yep. Or 2024 <laughs> if I go, because I'm yeah. going to try to go. So, yes, go. I like that. That's a great idea. We should start lending out blinds all the time. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, next is Prime. Now, David and I just recently went to Prime headquarters in here in Michigan, did a walkthrough, spent the day there, did a podcast. And I'll tell you what, we're going to drop that podcast in a few weeks, probably after the one giant mistake stuff. But like, guys, I'm telling you right now, if you were able to go to Prime and see how things are made, see the people, the community around Prime and G5, I don't know if you would buy another product elsewhere. Like mm-hmm. I... When we left there, I'm like, I feel like I'm part of the family. I really yeah. felt that way. 
And God, they just make such good products. Not only the bows, but they make, you know, they're making arrows. A lot of people don't understand that. They make their own arrows. They make, uh, they, they purchased a Montana rifle uh, company, the Montana rifle gun company. And dude, the new gun that they're just coming out with, like they all build it. They moved everything here to Michigan. They build it all here. Like it made me want to go gun hunting. Like mm-hmm. it's just a sick gun. Um, but you name it, they've been a staple in, you know, a lot of the, the broadhead community. Like that's how G5 was started too, is on mm-hmm. the broadhead side of things. So there's a staple in the community and they have a little, where they're at is just a little town, um, with a gas station and not much else. And they hire within the community, which is so cool. And they like to keep their business there. I really, really enjoyed going there and, uh, meeting everybody else that we haven't met and just hanging out and feeling part of the family, really. Oh yeah. It's, I, I felt so fortunate to be able to experience a day like that. And, you know, I got home, I, I felt like a, you know, school kid. I was telling my family all about it, but just seeing everything, you know, it's not like, everything just gets shipped there and they, they put things together. No, everything is made from the ground up there, which is to think about what kind of process that takes. That is, that's, that's like mind boggling to think about, but I tell you what, very, I feel very fortunate. I'm very, very happy to be part of the prime family. Yeah, definitely. So go to G5 prime.com, check out all their bows. They have the Rev X, but they have the new RVX. They have kids bows. They have the Ronin, which is a probably the best sub hundred or sub thousand dollar bow out there. Mm-hmm. And then the NXT, which is the kids bow, which is kids bow. We got to handle it. We got to play with it. Everything. If you have kids that are getting into it, I know DJ and I are really thinking about getting our girls one because this is something that the kid can grow up with, honestly. Um, yep. A lot of cool stuff coming out of Prime G5. Check them out at the website or your local Prime dealer. I think that's it, man. Cause uh, yeah, I think I think we're good there. Um, we do have an update on like hoodies, shirts. I do have an order. It's hopefully getting made right now. I actually right before we got on this podcast, I submitted an order for new uh, patch hats, which designed a new patch and everything, and new hat, new patch. It's gonna be really cool. I'm I'm excited for the holiday season. Yeah, I I didn't know if you were gonna talk about the new hat because it's uh dude it's it's slick. I like it a lot. I'm I'm looking forward to it. You know, and it's funny because every time we get one of these hats, it's like okay, I gotta get one, and I I want to get one for my grandpa, or I want to get one for my buddy. You know, or it's like oh man, here we go. Yep, definitely. So, um, it's probably it's probably they're probably not. I'm probably not gonna have this stuff in stock until probably after the first of the year, just because. I ordered quite a bit. I mean, we're pretty low on inventory. A lot of people are probably pissed that we don't have a lot of hats left. We don't have a lot of hoodies left, but we got some really cool stuff coming and it just stuff just takes time, honestly. And, um, we'll let you guys know it's going to be soon here in the next couple of weeks. We'll have it out there live for you guys. So yep. that's it though. That's it. Let's get over to this interview with Alex and, uh, hopefully you guys have you know, enjoy this, have a great holiday week. And you know, is this going, this is going it's, live. This is, this is be- live. It'll be right before Christmas, yep. Yeah, so you guys have a very good Christmas. Um, hopefully, St. Nick brings everything that you want. Maybe that Garmin site, maybe that Prime Bow, you know, mm-hmm. maybe those Helix Broadheads. I don't know. Jeez, I don't that'd know. be a good we'll Christmas, see. wouldn't it? It would be. It'd be a great <laughs> Christmas. It would be. So uh, that's it. Let's uh, head over to this interview with Alex. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Fall Podcast. And today, I've got repeat offender, Mr. Alex Gilstrom on. Alex, thanks for coming on today, buddy. 
thanks for having me guys I'm happy to do it yeah I'm uh I'm excited to have you on haven't had you on in a while but uh you are were were one that uh, came to mind for me because of my recent bout at Kansas Public Land, and it's something that you very much, whether you you know agree with this or not, I feel like you enjoy the suck on public, and uh, <laughs> that's you <have> something <laughs> <laughs> you do. You really do. So I thought today would be a good time uh, to get you on and, and just compare and contrast. And like David just said before record, it's probably gonna be a therapy session for me, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, it's man, it, it, it's the struggle's real, dude. Like, I mean, it's 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 it's, it's it is real out there, but it's when it, when it works out and it goes well, it makes up for all the all the tough days. Yeah, I can definitely see that. So before we get into it, though, just kind of. Tell everybody who you are, what you do for properties, and what Whitetail Properties is, if people may not know that, but uh, kind of give the elevator pitch of who you are and, and what you do. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, Alex Gilstrom, um, yeah, born and raised in Southwest Michigan, uh, cut my teeth right here with these Michigan boys, and um, you know, kind of come together through the hunting community and everything like that. Aaron and I go back way back uh, into the... Uh, the rusted rooster and the scent lock days all the oh, way, yeah. all the way back. So, um, man, just grew up loving the outdoors, being part of a hunting family. Uh, I was blessed to be able to be part of it. Never owned. We never really owned any ground. Um, we had hunting permission property. That's kind of what we always grew up hunting on and, and some public land things like that. Went up through school, went to college and, uh, got a, got a business marketing degree. Then, you know, through some communication, just outreach and different, different, uh, basically just trying to figure out how I could get into the hunting industry to do that for a living. <laughs> I got some opportunities in the, in the filming background days, kind of like you did Aaron, where I was filming for a couple different shows and doing that kind of thing. And then got an opportunity to go to work for Scentlock and did some marketing stuff for them for a long time. And, and then that led to uh, some connections, even even more connections and communication in the, in the industry. And uh, about six years, no, seven years ago now, sorry, the opportunity came up with, uh, with Whitetail Properties, um, headquartered here in Western Illinois. And a couple of the owners, uh, Dan and Paul called me up and said, Hey, you want to come take the reins at marketing, branding, and kind of our video production side of things and all that, and just kind of oversee the, that stuff. And I said, well, I guess if I get to, you know, get to move to Pike County, Illinois and set up shop and home base there. And I'm, I'm, uh, half the distance closer to all the areas I love to hunt in Kansas, as well as some of the stuff I like in South Dakota um, and have some great hunting in Northern Missouri and Illinois right there. I'm like, let's go. So did that seven years ago um, and then been on a roll ever since overseeing the marketing and, and branding and video production for Whitetail Properties and everything we do there. And uh, yeah, man, life's been going through a bunch of transitions. I keep getting older every year, right? Everybody does. And that, I just keep getting older and older. And it's like, man, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with that, but <laughs> happily married. Um, and we just had our first child uh, a little boy back in February. So he's going to, he's already coming up on a year, which is insane to even say that, but yeah, man, life's been crazy and uh, still uh, been, even it's ironic, right? So I oversee all the marketing and branding and video production for Whitetail Properties, but um, still an avid 
avid public land hunter. I love it. I still, you know, enjoy the suck every day, every season <laughs> as, as you, as you put it. Um, you know, I still have a lot of aspirations and ambitions to own land myself too. Uh, it's an unbelievable resource and we could talk for days and weeks and years about how, you know, the value and how great that is to, to own land and call it your own. But, uh, I still love being a, a hashtag public landowner as well and getting to enjoy all the resources that the, the, that the, the nation still gives us a blessing to be able to enjoy on that front too, man. So, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty much me in a nutshell in terms of the, the company, uh, Whitetail Properties as a whole that, that I work for, um, you know, at, at its most basic form, we are a, we are a, a real estate company. We, uh, we specialize in rural real estate. That's, you know, uh, hunting, recreational farm, ranch, timberland, um, and all the things that that entails. And, you know, essentially the, the, the brainchild of how Whitetail Properties came to be, um, kind of the 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 little bit of a of an early saga of it is, it was essentially five core partners that didn't know each other but loved land, loved the outdoors, wanted to invest and in, were investing in land, and were having just a awful experience doing it. Um, it was an afterthought. It, it was just, and even still today, I mean, it was the 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 exchange of deeds and land and private land ownership especially for farm ground was done at a kitchen table farmer to farmer um or it was passed down through generations uh there was no one that was really representing it from an official standpoint of like hey we're going to do this and, and represent and understand all the nuances of soil quality timber you know crp programs things all, like everything that that can bring value to a property and certainly the recreational aspect meaning wildlife and deer and the value that that can actually have to a property for whatever that potential buyer's ambitions and passions might be um from a hunting standpoint so they kind of set out and said look we're having such a bad experience doing this we can do this we've done it enough times and and so just the full-on deep dive of educating themselves on all things real estate um and everything that that entails has you know it started out with yeah, uh, like I said, five core partners, two states, and then now, uh, seventeen years later, we're uh, a little over four hundred land specialists or, or agents. We call them land specialists across forty states um, and and counting. So it's been just this explosion of um, of deals. You know, Dan Perez has a saying, and uh, he says, you know, it's interesting that the less we focus on the sale, and the more we focus on helping people. And showing why we're passionate about these things and helping people discover and understand their passion for it and treating people the way we want to be treated. He always says taking the high road, regardless of its steepness. He said, the more we focus on those things and less on the sale, it's amazing how more sales we have. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's, it's just, and that's been the ethos for the entire company and brand. And I can honestly say that, you know, from our leadership team here and everybody we work with to, you know, these 400 amazing men and women across the country, across these 40 states is I mean, it gives you chills. Like I said, it's, it's kind of cliche to talk about and it's kind of, you know, it sounds like all romanticized and stuff, but it really is a, it's a passion project and job for everybody involved. And it truly is just helping people enjoy the thing, the resource, the, and what I would identify as God's most valuable resource and greatest thing, which is the earth that he created yeah. for. So, um, yep. yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of it in a nutshell. If you haven't heard about Whitetail Properties, what, what it's all about, that's kind of the, in a nutshell and, and what I'm, what I'm all about and how I fit into it. Yeah. And I, I think that's what makes this conversation so interesting is, you know, you, you were born and raised in Michigan and then you moved to, you know, one of the best whitetail states in the country. 
But then it's also, you know, we're going to be talking about all this public land opportunities and experiences, but you also work for arguably, you know, the best land company, real estate company in America. You know what I mean? So it's like someone listening could so easily be like, oh, this guy's just, you know, he's probably going to buy some ground and and be hunting and that where it's like, no, that's, that's the opposite of that. You know, that's, it's the American dream for everyone, no doubt. But that's why I think this conversation is going to be, it's going to be a good one, boys. We've got a, uh, we've got a saying at, here at White Tell says, you know, um, land, the original American dream. So, I mean, cause you're exactly right. I mean, that is, I mean, America was founded on opportunity and the dream of owning the, your own surroundings. So yeah, you're exactly right, DJ, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, I talk about this a lot with, with my buddies about land is, you know, if, if getting the opportunity, whether it's three acres or five acres or, or it's a square mile, you know, if you get the opportunity to get it, cause like you said, you, you brought up that, you know, like God made this, but like the one thing for sure, like he isn't making any more of it either. You know, like what, what is here is what we have. And in every year we just, we're losing more of it. Right. That's available to us. Yeah. So it's, it's always like this battle. And even with the public lands thing, you know, we, we lose that along the way too. So it's, it's tough. Yeah, and Alex, I don't. I'm gonna go off tangent a little bit here, just because your internet connection's a little, little scratchy. Because I know you're in Pittsfield, right? Like the armpit yeah. of the world. So I'm it gonna is. guess you don't have like fiber in Pittsfield. No, no, no. I got the dial. I got the the mouse on the wheel and the dial up over here in the corner, just cranked up. For, you know, we're rolling. Yeah, was, it doesn't happen. Really it doesn't happen all the time. But every once in a while, you sound like uh, uh, you're just a scratchy little thirteen year old. So oh, great. I love it. I, I love it. I, it's it's funny you bring that up about the mouse on the wheel. My uh, my oldest daughter, she's fifteen, and my youngest is eleven, and. And a commercial comes on the other day, but the commercial, it had the noise of the old dial-up internet. And my oldest daughter's like, why would the computer make a noise like that? And I was like, that that's how internet work. And I was like, it, that we you had to go through that like six or seven times before actually connected. Then if someone picked up the home phone, then it, they screwed it all up. It was all done. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. Exactly. Kids have no kids have no clue what it was like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm really actually I was nervous about that. Hey B, because it's like it, I average for for Zoom or go to meet whatever Google Meet calls or whatever is it's usually a one drop per call. So I'm I'm hoping <laughs> that we I'm hoping we buck the trend on this one and we don't have that issue, but we'll see. <laughs> well, worst case scenario, I've had a couple people that happen to, and I know we're doing the video here, but we could turn off. I, I think if you turn the video off, I think it gets better. That's what I tell myself in the head. So I don't know. We'll I don't see. know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll make it work. But um, no, I'm. that's awesome that, you know, that you're doing what you love because I see that in you and, and we've known each other for a long time. And and I think I, I look, you know, I follow you on social media. We talk every once in a while and like, I, I genuinely feel like you're where you want to be and doing the thing you love. So that's really cool. It is kind of like a contrast of like, you're, you're just a, not just a public land guy, but you cut your teeth on that. But that just shows you like, you know, where your passion is also like, that's bracing the suck, man. I'm just not there yet. <laughs> It's, and for me, man, it's just like, and it does suck. Like I'm, we'll get into the struggles for sure, but like, I just have this thing in me that I just, I got to see what's over the next ridge. I got to see what's next around this next corner. I got to see, I got it. Like, it's, it's just this constant, like adventure mode of like, I got to go see what's over this. So, I mean, I, that's what I, and I love that because I just, yeah. I love seeing ground and habitat and how deer are using habitat in different areas and different regions. And, and even just from, 
from you know public track to public track i mean just down you could go two miles down the road and it could be completely different i just i'm so ate up with that still and i just i haven't quenched the thirst of that man i just i, I want to go see and explore and what's around that corner and what's living here and how are they using it and and it's just i, I just man it's just such a it's such a cool thing to just go in and figure it out like i just love trying to figure it out for sure now is that something like when you were back in michigan girl and everything did you did you hunt public when you were growing up in Michigan? Very little, just just a little bit. It's it was all all permission stuff. We never paid for hunting land or anything like that. We were blessed to have enough enough connections, friends, and and family members that, um, you know, were just. It was kind of one of those deals where just you know, my dad had hunted a couple of places for a really long time, and I kind of was just you know born into that to be able to continue to hunt some some of these areas and it got tough, man. Once I started getting into high school, we started losing a lot. I mean, that was about the time, you know, the early two thousands, um, mid two thousands was the time where, where the permission stuff started to really go away. It was either getting leased up by other people or, you know, hunting leasing became, started becoming a real thing. Um, and so we started losing that now, unfortunately, you know, my dad, it's, it's, he's got a couple, he's got two places, uh, by permission that are totally different than what we had. He doesn't have permission to hunt anything, um, that we grew up, that I grew up hunting or anything like that. He's hunting on some other things with some other friends and things like that. It's still great hunting opportunities for him and, uh, and happy to do it. But the transition of that is what really started opening my eyes to the whole public land thing. And especially traveling, I was old, I was getting old enough then driver's license and convincing dad to like, Hey, let's go take a trip and just try it and see, you know, and, and trying to go explore new places and do new things. And that's, that was kind of when I don't, it's interesting. It's weird. Like obviously losing permission to hunt on a place is not fun. Like, no, I don't like don't wish that on anybody, but in a weird way, it was actually the catalyst that forced me to start looking and to other states and taking trips and doing other things. So I'm super in a weird kind of like way. I'm actually really grateful for that because yeah. it opened my eyes up to a whole new world. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was, it was like a blessing in disguise at the time. You yeah, know? absolutely. I, I, I think that exact story happens to a lot of guys that lose, you know, their, the piece of, you know, 200 acres that they've been hunting for eight years. Also when they lose it, you know, they're just, they're so bummed out, so upset about the situation, but then it leads them on to like having to learn a new piece or go knock on new doors or go explore a new piece of public land they've never been on. Yeah. Cause what's the alternative? You're just, mm -hmm. you're just not going to hunt. Like, I mean, it's right. not, that's not an option. So, <laughs> right. So we got to figure it out. Yeah. Tell me this, like, you know, with, with the public land thing, you know, I'm going to say it's easy in the fact because anybody can hunt it. You know, you can go, you don't asking permission is uncomfortable for whoever you are. It, I don't care who you are. It's just uncomfortable going to someone's house and knocking on the door and, and like asking for permission to hunt. Like I, I get it. That's not easy. So like, it's easy to pull up to a piece of public and go walk around and do all that stuff. But like, what? what drew you more to public than going and just asking for permission or trying to get a lease? I mean, I get leases, you know, it's, it's money probably didn't have a ton of it back then where it's like, don't have a lot to spare, but like what kind of drew you more towards the public than trying to get some permission? I did both a lot. <laughs> yeah. It was more just getting shut down on the permission stuff. A lot of times, um, you know, it's like, it's just, especially in Michigan. I mean, it's hard in, in places like that. 
everybody hunts. It's like mm -hmm. you, you you knock on a door and they're just like, uh, I mean, you 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 know you see and it's like you can see the you can see the the old you know the plywood box blind back in the back corner of the field, or you can mm -hmm. see you know tree stands or the barn doors got racks hanging on it, and it's just like. I mean, everybody wants, and so yeah. it's, it's difficult, you know, but you start going to some of these other places where, where the low, you know, lower populations, people just aren't, you know, they're doing other stuff, they're farming, they're working, they're busy. It's like, okay, you know, I will hunt, you know, opening day, opening weekend, a rifle or we'll hunt opening, you know, doing whatever. And, and you, I started getting a little bit more of that, but I kind of found, and again, this is, this is not an, uh, a blanket statement by any means, but in my experience, the people that said yes they said yes to just about everybody and, and the places just weren't that great. So I was, I was actually finding less pressured, more quality stuff on some of the overlooked public than getting permission on private. So I kind of just started doubling down on that and it, it just became a time thing for me. Efficiency has been a huge thing. I've talked like my buddy, Andy may, I mean, I know obviously an OG, another Michigan guy, everybody loves Andy and they rightfully so it's unbelievable what the guy does. He and I talk a lot about efficiency. Um, he's a family guy, young kids, busy job, same thing. Um, you know, and we kind of hit it off on that stuff years ago. And I prioritize efficiency in the same way he does. Uh, it's he has a little bit different results, and I do on the back end, but <laughs> but efficiency is still <laughs> still really important. Um, yeah. And and so I focus on that. So and again, it's like, do I want to do I want to spend more of my time, you know, knocking on these doors and trying to identify, you know, this, or do I just say, hey, I'm gonna I'm going to choose this group, you know, these sections of different public you know, hunting or act public access hunting or whatever. And I'm just going to dive in and, and, and just be aggressive. Um, so it's just because of the way I've allotted my time, the latter has worked has where has been what's worked for me over spending a bunch of time knocking on doors. So I'll still do it from time to time for sure. And actually I've actually gotten more success and it's, it's benefited my hunting more knocking on doors and getting permission for access than actually access to hunt. Like, Hey, can I just walk down this fence line or, Hey, do you mind if I just jump this gate here and just come and go in this way? I'm going to be on your, you know, I'm going to be on your ground for a hundred yards. So that's, you know, and I'm, I'm off it, leaving it, you know, I've actually had some, some decent luck doing that just to get better access to, to some public places. Yeah. I could see that. Tell me this, Alex, you know, between this is something that I I've noticed myself you know, when you're hunting in public and then you have your permission pieces too, but how nice is it to show up to a piece of public and be like, I don't have to knock on anyone's door and I don't have to ask them where, where they would like me to park in the mornings yeah. or in the nights. Like that is that's so nice. 100%, it's like, for sure. it's like, holy cow, you know, and, and even though like, you know, public ground, you know, like, yeah, there are boundaries, but it almost feels limit, like, like limitless compared to like small pieces of uh private land you know when you're out being able to walk it or scout it yeah it's it, it, you're exactly right man i mean just to, it's you pull up to the parking lot and i mean it's you you your map and your boots and you just go i mean it's just kind of and figure it out and learning it and 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 it's just and really enjoying that i mean it's been has been cool and 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 man like don't get me wrong. Like I, I genuinely don't enjoy running into people on public land. Like I'd rather just not see anybody, but the reality of it is it is open to the public and people can use it. And, and at the end of the day, you try to have a positive outlook and saying like, Hey, at least there's people out here using it, you know, cause if, if it doesn't get used and people aren't, you it's, it's not going to be here forever. So um, it's great to see people use it. And at least in my experiences, um, I think I've only ever had like 
and it wasn't even an altercation. It was just like the guy was in a bad mood and just had like, wasn't happy about like us meeting on this, this piece of public. But other than that, it's like, Oh, Hey, sorry, man. Or, Oh, Hey, sorry, man. Like, good luck. Or like, you know, or, or you get back to the park if it's a, you know, joined in parking lot or something like that. And it's like, I mean, people will catch up. Hey, what'd you see tonight? Or, Hey, where are we? Okay. You're, you're hunting over there. All right. I'll stay, you know, I'm out of that. I'll stay out of that kind of a deal. And everybody's been really, you know, cordial and, and, and friendly and everybody understands they're kind of all playing in the same field. You know, it's just trying to make it work for everybody. So the experience, my, my personal experience has been largely positive across the board to where um, it hasn't gotten ugly or really turned me off to it. Yeah. And th- those same conversations can be had on on private too. I mean that, sure. that sounds like that sounds like hunting private land in Michigan, you know, because th- very seldom do you get a piece to yourself anymore. Right. And so That's there right. is a group of guys parking at the you know the farmer's house, or you know you still have those run-ins out there too. Where you hear that a lot, where people are worried about running into other people in public, where it's like, man, that <laughs> that happens a lot on highly pressured you know private ground in in heavy hunted states too. Yeah, and, 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 you know, David and I did the Kansas trip this year, and honestly, it was my first, like, run at the public thing, and not going to lie to you, I had a freaking blast. I really did. It, I think the single most, like, fun part about it for me is there was no boundaries. Like, right. I could go yes. wherever I wanted, you know what I mean? Um. I will say, and DJ would probably attest this because he killed early and he, you know, he hunted with me every sit, like he was, he was filming me. So, um, we were getting, like, I wanted to get up earlier and I wanted to be in the parking lot first, like in the mornings. And we hunted every morning. We hunted, you know, all day, a couple times, you know, and even if we were coming back that afternoon, like I took the approach of like getting in early, let's, let's try to get in early. I want to be the first one going in there, um, from a parking lot. So we very much did that a lot. And, but I will say like the no boundaries thing was, was really, really cool. But I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't have a fear of walking in on someone. I, it was literally to the point where I I just didn't want to screw anybody's hunt up. I really didn't. Like I, I, like I'd be walking out in the morning, couple of the first, what was it? The first two mornings I hunted or first two days I hunted by myself because DJ was hunting uh, a different piece. That's all I could think about walking in, in the morning in the dark was like, please just don't walk in on, like, I don't want to get flash. I don't want to get a woohoo up here. I don't want to yeah. hear, uh, hear a bow go off and something go right by. Like, you know what I mean? Like you just don't oh, know yeah. who you're, you don't know here. It was literally a fear for me. And I hated that. Like that was yeah. the, that was the thing I hated probably the most. Like, I don't know how you get over that. <laughs> I you really don't. don't. Yeah. You just, you just got to know that, I mean, you, like I said earlier, I mean, most of the situations I've had is pretty core. Everybody's pretty cordial and understanding about it. They, they, I mean, think about it. Like it'd take a pretty quote unquote special person to enjoy blowing up somebody else's hunt. I mean, you, right. you know what I mean? Like you gotta, everybody knows how tough it is. It's like, you, you know, they, they know what you're up against. You know what they're up against. Like no one's wanting to gum it up for, or, you know, mess it up for anybody else. So it's like, right. you kind of go in there and just, you just gotta, I mean, the, the, at least the, the mentality I take is, you know, you'll put yourself in an anxiety chokehold if you just continue to like, just let that stress you, you just got to go do your thing. And if it happens, man, you just try to shake it off and, you know, apologize, try to be as respectful as you can and keep going. But I, I, I try not to think about it now. Now, granted, like if I'm at a parking lot and I do the same, like 
90% of the time I'm first one there in the morning, last one to leave in the evening. I mean, that's usually how it works. Um, and I, I do the same thing where it's like, I like being first because then I can, I can just, you know, clean slate, clean mind, go where I'm going to go, you know, and if somebody walks in on me, then so be it, whatever we'll adjust. But, um, you know, just trying to try to take that mentality of like, Hey, I gotta, I gotta hunt this place. Like it's, I'm the only one here. And now granted, like you said, if there's a truck parked over here on this side, or you want to be conscious of that, where it's like, if you can tell where somebody's gone or you see somebody walking out, you know, through an opening or whatever, trying to get to a spot, I'm not going to follow that person and just walk up, you know, and blow them up. But, um, you know, it, it's just, that's the part of public. That's just a little bit nuanced that you have to get used to just saying, Hey, I'm right. not gonna, I'm not gonna let this bother me. I just got to go do my thing. Yeah. I, I think, I think with, you know, your, your worry like that, Aaron is that's born from like the, the circumstances you're dealt here in Michigan. where like you, you have a really good thing on a, on a piece of property that other guys hunt that how much communication you guys have going on right yeah you're not you're not going to run into that issue sure running into other hunters even though there's other hunters on on you know this you know particular piece of property you hunt it's because of the communication where it's like if you're hunting even on private land where other hunters are hunting but you're not openly talking with each one of them that same exact situation can happen on on private but you're just not used to that so that is a very valid like worry for you going into, you know, a public land hunt like that. Yeah, it definitely was. And and I did feel like, you know, that first day we went in and boots on the ground and I went up a big long drainage and it was looking for sign in this in this bottom and you know, I was by myself. This was the first time. Like it I felt like a fish out of water almost, but I will say like the thought process of walking in on someone outruled what I was there to do. Like mm -hmm. it was it was very much a uh gravitational pull of like okay you need to be looking for sign but like i'm looking up like you know looking in the trees like am i gonna walk in on somebody it's like november it's midday like somebody could be here already like i don't know why it was well i mean david hit it right in the right in the head like you know i got a one piece of property here that 11 of us hunt it it's it's private we've hunted it our whole lives you know and it's like but like we have a big group chat, it's like, hey, or you leave a note at the cabin, it's like this is where I'm yep. hunting. You know, every you're never gonna walk in on him, and if you do, then that's your you you screwed up because right. you should have. It's been the rule forever. That's what you do. But anyway, I I did you know by the end of the trip, like I was starting to feel more like comfortable. It just took me a little bit to get there. But I will yeah. tell you, the first day that that guy walked in on us i was flipping pissed <laughs> like, i was pissed yeah yeah it's well, never I, fun I, seeing him yeah, no i i i think you you know part of being mad like that aaron wasn't necessarily yeah like it was the fact that we got walked in uh but it was also the fact like that was what day three or four where we were really starting to tighten the grip on that area Really I, did, I went full like, draw on a good buck like yeah. the day before in there and we were or like two days before really honing in on this area we just needed a wind to switch a wind switch and you know and then the guy walks right through all yeah. the betting <laughs> yep. I, I think it's part of the transgression the tra the transitions through that stage too because this is the way it worked for me anyway similarly what i think we're i think you'll get where i'm going ab is like you start I think everybody for the first time hunting public land, if they had hunted private before has the same anxiety, kind of those anxiety feelings of like, I don't want to run anybody else. I don't want to see anybody else. I don't want, I just want to hunt and just enjoy this hunt. Definitely that. Well, 
you kind of get a little worn into that where it's like you, you get calloused to seeing other people in other places, you start working around it. And then where it kind of comes in a little bit more is like you start having some success and then you'll go back to those public areas where you had success and you know, you, you kind of get them figured out, you're getting them scouted out and you, you know, maybe you've killed a deer there or whatever, however you define success on, on public, if you've had that, and then you start getting people and pressure and things like that too. So then it comes a whole nother level of like getting callous to that, where it's like, mm-hmm. dang it, they blew this up. I got to go find the next spot. Um, that's what, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time in that one where it was like, okay, I've killed a couple deer in this, this public, I've killed a couple deer over here. And it's like, and then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, it just, people start showing up and people start, you know, start in, getting in there a little bit more. And, and all of a sudden the deer start changing or leaving. And it's like, all right, I got to figure that it, you, again, you can't get, yeah, you get married. You start getting married to spots you're successful in and you can't, you can't, you can't do that. And when it comes to public for sure. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you, let me ask you this, Aaron, and then maybe also Alex can piggyback off this because maybe it's something that he's done also. Would would your worry like that going into pub, that piece of public land that we hunted in Kansas, do you think your worry level would have been totally different if we wouldn't have went out there in March and scouted it for three or four days beforehand? Like then you would, you know, not only would you know the idea, but, or know, know the area better, but then you may also have a better idea of like, okay, maybe there isn't a lot of human traffic in this area, or I don't, I didn't see a lot of hunter sign where like, you know, we showed up to Kansas and we just started hunting. Like that's, we just yeah. dove in and did that. And, th- and so after that, then I was going to ask Alex, you know, like, you know, is that, is that what you like to do out, you know, outside of right there, say your home state when you're traveling, do you prefer to scout pieces first in the off season, or do you prefer just to show up to them during season and start chipping away at them? But Take it, take it, uh, we'll start with you, Aaron, on that one. Um, I think it probably would have helped just because, you know, we had never been there before. We, we did not yeah. know what it looked like. So literally when I walked into that first drainage that first day, I was trying to like analyze everything as you're like creeping along. Cause you know, it was uncomfortable. You know, it's, it's an uncomfortable situation just because you've never been there. You, and we didn't know the deer that were there. Like, I think that was another thing. Like if we were able to know the caliber of deer that were there, like, I think that would have helped a little bit too, because yeah, you're in Kansas. There's going to probably be a buck or a couple bucks better than what we have to, to hunt at home in Michigan. Like that's just, that just comes with the, the, the geography of where it lays. It's just, you know, it's just better out there. So like, I get that, but I think it would have definitely eased my mind a little bit, but honestly, DJ, I mean, we did see people, but I don't feel like we've seen a ton of people and, you know, a couple of the trucks that we thought were hunting public, we talked to those guys that were in fact parking on the public and hunting the private, they had permission on the private. So I almost wonder if that was a tactic they were doing. I was just going to say that. It's a, that sounds like like that was, yeah. Yeah. It's, and it was two trucks and very much like a tactic of like, you know, cause honestly, DJ, how many times did, did I say, I want to beat the Ford? I want to beat the Ford. We got to beat the Ford in there. And every time it seemed like he would beat us, but then we talked to the guy when we caught him at the truck and he's like, no, I'm, I'm on the private over here. You know what I'm like? Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's great. Like, <laughs> you know, thought <laughs> yeah. you were coming in here and it honestly pushed us a little bit farther down the road, you know, it, mm-hmm. and you know, that guy, he even said he's hunted that particular area for 20 some years. So like, yep. um, 
we didn't see a ton, but I did get walked in on three times in 10 sits. So, you know, 30% of the times it's like, I feel like, I feel like that's quite a bit. Am I I wrong? No, I I mean, in my opinion, that's, that's quite a bit. But, but also if you got walked in on three times for every one time you walk, got walked in on, you get to go full draw also. I did. I did. So if I, if, if I would have told you, if I would ask you this before we left for Kansas, I said, you're going to get walked in on three times during a 10 day period. But every time that someone walks in on you, you will have an opportunity to go full draw on a deer inside bow range like that. I would probably take it. Um, I would I, say, I'd, I would say I'd take that deal every time. Yeah. I, I would, I would then say, cause you know me, I'd be like, well, how big are the deer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but like, but like talking to that guy, you know, like naturally we're such like, I, I think a lot of us guys that come from Michigan become such private people when it comes to hunting like you don't talk much to other people but oh, yeah like talking to that guy okay we learned like he was he was you know he was parking on the private whether it was a strategy or the landowner told them no i don't want you parking here just park across the road or whatever the case may be but instantly my ears perked up and he's like yeah i've been i've been coming up from louisiana for 20 years hunting this area it's like okay obviously it's there's there's good deer here because no one's doing it for tw- two decades traveling across the country to go hunt an area you know yeah, it's right. like he probably hunted that public for years and finally said you know i'm gonna knock on that guy's door and the guy's like oh yeah come on over you know or like he, he didn't hunt or whatever the case may be but yeah that that uh you know sometimes you know being open and talking to those people make it uh you might get a little tidbit there but yeah for yeah, sure so what do you what do you think alex you know do you do you prefer you know going out to an area out of state if you're out of state hunting do you like going out there scouting in the off season if you can, or do you like to just you know jump in there during hunting season and get after it? Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply it's evolved a little bit over time. Um, you know, I, I scout a ton, um, within a few hours of where I live in Western Illinois. So, um, I mean, I'm like a weird one where it's like, I like scouting probably a little more than hunting. It's just, I just, I love it. I love just trying to figure them out and, and, and look at new ground and, and, you know, learn ground. Maybe I've hunted for a few years, but just learning it better. Um, you know, hundreds of miles, man, just putting boots on the, on the ground and walking and walking and walking. I love doing that. Now, when it comes to 
this kind of goes back to the efficiency thing, right? So when it comes to life and time and family and, and work, I just don't have the time anymore to really spend going on out-of-state trips to, to scout. Now, I will a little bit. It depends or if there's um, – and I'm not good. Like I've tried to do like the the turkey hunting thing um, where it's like you go to a spot to turkey hunt. And I've done this in Kansas a little bit over the years, but it's like I always end up just not turkey hunt. like i'm just scouting with a shotgun like <laughs> it's like i'm scouting for deer during turkey season so i just it, that's the way it always works I don't, I don't multitask very well when it comes to that kind of stuff but um i've done that a little bit uh but yeah I, typically when it comes to trips if i'm going out to kansas south dakota um i kind of i kind of so i i create a lot of content, write a lot, different things like that, articles. And it's like, I'm trying to like verbalize my thoughts all the time. Like, how do I describe what I'm thinking about this situation? But I kind of have kind of adopted this thing um, when it comes to like in-season trips or, or if I'm if I'm traveling to go hunt somewhere and call it like the three-day mindset. So typically that what that means is, I mean, I might be there for a week. I might be there even sometimes 10 days or whatever, but it's like, I'm trying to get it done in three days meaning I want to find the deer, find the hot sign, get set up and, and kill. Um, and I'm, uh, and I do that from an aggressive standpoint to where it's like, I'm not going to waste time trying to do observation sits. And again, every situation is different. I don't want to try to have a big blanket statement here, but where I'm trying to go in, find their deer where the deer are right now, find how mature buck or, or what I should say is a good representation of that area of, of a buck sign, you know, caliber of sign might be, um, in relation to where the deer are right now and, and just try to go and cover ground um, as quickly as possible. And I found like, by, by like putting myself in that mental mindset of like, okay, you've only got three days. Like it, it, it keeps me from being complacent. It keeps me in the woods. It keeps me looking. It doesn't, it, it leaves me not settling or getting too, too conservative. Um, and it's paid off for me. I mean, it's just, I just have, I, I find myself more successful with more opportunities being aggressive than I do sitting back and being super conservative. So, and now are you going to push some things too far sometimes? Absolutely. You got to blow some stuff up. Sure. But um, that's, that's what's worked well for me as opposed to now off season scouting. Absolutely love it to death. It's one of my favorite things to do in the radius of home where I'm spending more time at home and getting out for a day or a weekend or whatever, um, as opposed to just traveling and hunting, I've kind of adopted the idea of just like, I'm going to go and like, here's the dates I'm going to be there or try to be there on this trip. And when I get on location, you know, saddle or stands going on my back, bows in my hand and I'm just going. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you talk about that, that three day mindset, I, I really like that. And I've, I thought hard about this over the years. You know, it's always so appealing to take a week off of work and, and go out of state hunting. But then it's also been really appealing to me that like, man, would I rather go take two, three or four day good weather window trips out of state where it's like, you know, if I could really time it up right, you know, in a week, somewhere most most likely during that week, it's going to get slow. But if I could divide that up in like, three or four day windows, like you said, and, and maybe have that different mindset where it's like, man, you can kind of go for broke for three days, yeah. four days trips where it's like, I, I've been leaning more towards that, you know, being able to go hunt places for those shorter windows, but maybe get a couple chances to go do that other than just taking the one long week and just saying, this is it. Either I kill one this week or that's it for the season out of state. And, and like I said, and it's, it depends on how you define success. Like, don't get me wrong everybody wants to fill a tag. Like I, I, no one loves, you know, shooting a deer through the lungs and filling a, a tag on public. I mean, it, uh, more than 
any one of us, we lo- all love it. But, and that, that's the goal. But what, what it's taught me is that by that aggressive mindset, especially on trips is I cover more ground and learn more ground for even the following year or years to come, which it's, mm-hmm. it's a long-term game for me for that. Like I, it's, yep. it's every bit as much like, yeah, I'm going to do whatever I can to fill a tag and be successful on this trip. And that's my, that's my primary goal. But instead of like where you maybe in, in the early days, I was a little more conservative. It's like, okay, I'll, here's, here's these two, you know, two chunks of public or whatever. And I'm going to spend my week here. And that's where it is. And every day you start seeing a few less deer and a few less deer. And then, you know, what might be the rut. So it comes in all of a sudden there's a big flurry and it kind of, you know, you catch it right. And there's a hot dough and then you see a couple big bucks or a big buck or whatever. And it's great. Um, but it's like, okay, when I start taking that aggressive, that three day, you know, like I said, that three day mindset of being overly, overly aggressive, it's now I've covered six, maybe even seven, eight, you know, chunks or tracks and learn more about them. And okay, it's not, you know, it was, and then, and I'm, and I'm note-taking throughout this whole thing too. So, okay. Is there food on the public? Likely no, but okay, what's the adjacent food? Okay. Is that in a crop rotation? So that's actually the first thing I do when I get there is I spend the first couple of days or first time in the truck. And I want to get an understanding of what the crop rotation was compared to the year before or compared to years before what the food quality looks like it is. I'm looking at trails in and out of public or whatever, coming across the road or on these, you know, low maintenance roads or whatever, where you can see like, you know, in the gravel or the dirt, um, just trying to identify, okay, where are the deer at right now? Like, and then of course, glassing, you know, whether what, you know, depending on what you can see and where you are, um, just trying to take inventory and then keeping notes for year over year comparisons and trying to hone in on, okay, this was, you know, this track of public next to this giant, you know, cornfield of on the private over here was really great when it was in corn. But then when it's in beans, man, it just doesn't, it was, they weren't there. They just weren't in there mm-hmm. when it was beans or a Milo or what, you know, whatever it might be. Um, those kind of notes and comparisons. So like I said, using, using notes, it, it can, it can now all of a sudden I'm building a, I'm building a library of information and resources over seasons now to where I can start honing in and now I've got, and it's like, the, you know, we talk about it a lot. It's about building, you know, putting marrow arrows in the quiver, if you will, or building a, 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 a hit list of properties or tracks or pu- pieces of public rather than just having one, you know, one or two and hoping for the best. So I'm, I'm just trying to add as many, many places to the arsenal as you can. Yeah. That, and that, that's, that's like the equation of being, you know, efficiency and also playing that that the the long game especially on those out-of-state hunts yeah. especially if they're three or four day windows you know where it's like you know you take that first year and you're learning from it you know like you said success is measured in different ways and say that first year success means you know learning learning that piece of ground then year two then you start to dial in the right dates and the crop rotation whatever it may be year two and then you're starting to see okay now you're starting to see the caliber of bucks you want it and then year three, like you're, you're starting to fill tags, you know what I mean? But then yeah. you're traveling out of state for long weekends on pieces of public ground, but you know, being efficient doing it. And I, and I think it's, I, I think that's the recipe, but I think it's so easy for guys to like, they, they do it once and they don't see success and they don't want to return to do it where it's like, man, that you got to play the long game and figure out that, you know, when to be there and where to be there. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's, Go ahead, AB. Well, I was just going to say you brought up, you know, the multiple tracks type type thing. And, and it and it triggered something in, in our trip to Kansas is like, you know, we were hunting a pretty big track. Um, 
of public. It wasn't walk-in. There was quite a bit of walking around it, but then if looking back, I feel like, um, I don't know if it's a regret. There's a couple things you look back and you're like, okay, I really wish I would have done that differently. Like, I really wish I would have knocked on a couple doors while I was there because you're there, you're there for 11 days, like knock on a couple doors. I didn't do that. But I will say like even the piece of public that we'd hunted, like we didn't really branch out like on that piece that much. Like we hunted, I don't know how big, how big of an area you think we did hunt DJ. Like, I mean, it was, we could have moved. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that 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 piece. I mean, it wasn't giant by no means for public land, but that piece, right? You know, because there's multiple pieces around there, but that piece is probably around 800 acres. Yeah, and yeah. but what I'm saying is, we didn't even touch that whole 800. But Mm-mm. but the reason why is because the encounters we were having were spaced out just enough to keep that carrot dangling. You know yeah. what I mean? It was just like, oh man, like you know, and it didn't, it didn't help that it was like hot. It was like highs in the sixties and then it would go to the seventies. Then a couple of days it was in the eighties and it's like, yeah, so you just got to have seat time. It's something's yep. going to give. And it's mm-hmm. like that carrot was dangling and, and then you're always like, Oh, where do I want to go? It, well, we, there's like hot sign right here, like stupid sign. You got to hunt here. So then you, you sit that for a little bit. Then it's like, then you go to full draw and then it's like, I don't want to leave it, but then we're not seeing the deer numbers. And it's like, there's so many different things that come into it, and it's like, but also my one of my biggest fears is I hate getting too mobile. Like I don't want to be like, yeah. oh, we're putting time in here. Let's go to this walk in, and and let's do this, and let's. I don't. I didn't want to take a sit off to go glass because I would rather have seat time and maybe trip into one. Or you know, the sign was there though, man. Like the sign yeah. was telling us that it was there. The scrapes were giant. There was rub lines. There was a good, good uh, uh, drainage where everything came together. It was like literally that spot you sit in long enough, you're going to kill one. But it's just like, God, you know, there's looking back on it, yeah. you know, you want it to happen so bad, but you're only one person. You only can, you can't stretch yourself too thin. So I was fighting a lot with that too. Don't, uh, don't leave deer to find deer, man. That's, 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 my that's, rule. that's, that's public land. One. I mean, really any hunting, I mean, mm-hmm. but, but especially when it comes to public one-on-one, you know, what's taught me, what taught me about that? Cause I was the same way. I could not, I have fairly good patience in hunting, but that's about where it stops in my life. Uh, it's with hunting. It's just, uh, <laughs> otherwise I'm not, not what you would define as probably a patient person, but, um, but, uh, what I don't run a lot of trail cameras, but running some trail cameras on public actually taught me that is more than anything because where I would get carried away or I'd go and I'd say, okay, um, it's not happening here. I'm not having the encounter that I want to have. I'm seeing deer. I'm seeing deer. There's some chasing that's starting signs here, man. I need to go try this other spot, man. I love the way this looks on the map. I need to go over here and try that. Well, over a couple of years running a couple of trail cameras, it's like, Hey dummy, the deer and all the sign, we're here for a reason. Like that's just stay, you know, that consistency, as long as you're not pressuring it. So ways I kind of like, I kind of hack myself like in, in that is wind shifts. So I'll use wind shifts as opportunities to go check other spots or do whatever, say, okay, you know, if I got a West here and then it switches to a North and it's really not going to be that great for that, or it's, it's just too iffy. I'll give it, okay, I'm going to give this place a break. I'm going to go check this other place out. Like I'll use wind shifts in order to, to like, to kind of do that. But yeah, man, if you've got a spot where the sign is fresh and it's what you want to see and you feel like, and that's kind of where it's like, you know, what's the recipe. It's like 
the sign's fresh. It's what you want to see. You're seeing enough deer to keep your interest. And you just get the gut feeling that, man, like this, this feels right. Like you got enough stuff coming together right here. I agree. It's like, you're, you're probably more, you're hurting yourself more often than not by just abandoning, like, you know, getting too mobile as opposed to like, Hey, we're going to ride this out. We found it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And we, we did find the area though. The, the spot, when you listen to the, the season series, the lower lip dangle spot, I went to full draw twice in there, dude. And it was like, you know, and it was just one thing or another that happened. Like you can't cut anything on public land. So it's like, you know, your full draw, the one was at 16. The other one was at like 18 yards. They're right behind limbs. And I'm like, are you like the second one full draw completely broadside? I could have shot him 10 times over, but there's a tree in the way. And it's like, mother of Mary, like, and then, you know, you go home with your tail between your legs and I wasn't, I wasn't salty, but you know, I'm very much in the camp of like, well, it just wasn't meant to be, you know, it just, there was, there was something that the big man upstairs was telling me that this trip was to humble me because things were happening, you know, like it was just very much that because I'll tell you what, man, I've had a, I've had a horseshoe lodge straight in my keister for the last seven years. And this was like the shot. There was the the haymaker, the uppercut, if you will. It's like, dude, you're not invincible. Like, you've been you on know. a heck of a run. <laughs> this <laughs> is no it, it, it. Ain't easy, you know. Yeah. So well, yeah, nothing did, will hum- you know, nothing will humble you like public man, no doubt. Oh yeah. What did though? Like thinking back though, the story you just told right there, Aaron, when we jumped down into the lower lip dangle exactly what alex just referred back to though we had that wind change and that's Mm -hmm. what finally brought us like you know you gotta think the first six or seven days of our trip we had the same wind all the time then all of a sudden we got that wind change and it allowed us to go do something different but it was the per it was the perfect recipe to keep chipping away at that area aaron like you think about like morning number one i kill a buck morning number two you're at full draw and we're like dude this we're in it yeah you know and that's when that first encounter with with a human on on that piece of public you know so morning one i kill morning two year full draw and by day four you know where we feel like we're like okay it's just a matter of time that's when that first encounter happens it it was the perfect recipe for you to be like just lose it a little bit you know what i mean because it's like what (laughs) you know what i mean because because you know we talked a long we talked about a lot about not getting too mobile and you know let's don't leave deer to go find deer and we do like yeah. we were in, to the first two mornings we weren't in there for 48 hours you know and we almost killed two bucks you know so it's like okay that it just we just got to keep you know chipping away at it but then when we finally got that northerly wind you know two days before that you know we took the middle of the day and we went and explored that knowing we were going to have that wind change and then it put us right down into that that bottom like that and you know, two more opportunities came right through there, you know, but it's, it was, it's, it was the perfect recipe for like, you know, the, the full draw opportunities, the, the human encounter, you know, that happened, it was just, it it was what it was, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and Alex, if you could be a fly on the wall or on a tree after we had that first encounter with that human. So like the, the interaction happens and then we are like, I was like, okay, like I was kind of pissed and like this is this is a perfect example of two different personalities, DJ and I, because DJ's had this happen a lot, and sure. you know, like he's and I have it. So like we kind of like start circling around. We're gonna go to a different spot, and I'm just like fuming inside, like just 
just absolutely <laughs> pissed. And DJ is getting the, the map back out. And he's like, all right, I think we should. And I'm looking at him like, DJ, what the fuck just happened? And he's trying to tell me like, you know, we it's okay. We're good. And I'm just like, no, dude, like, what just, you know, so it's like, I'm glad he was there because I probably would have just threw my tether in the tree and just, you know, <laughs> just ended it. But <laughs> no, I wouldn't have. But it was yeah. just crazy how the contrast and he's like, No, yeah. we'll go back over here and I'm like, yeah. God, like He's are, he's already over it and on to the next. Yes, and you're just, he was. just like, No <laughs> Yeah. He was like <laughs> next next pitch mentality and I'm like, Oh man. man, that's the only you thing to, to do. Yeah. Yep. And, you, and you got it. And you got to think, you know, we were able to move on like that, Aaron, because, you know, somewhere. So I'm trying to think it had to be day three. So day four must have been the encounter with the guy. So day three, you know, we during the middle of the day, we took the long way out and we found something that could also work where it's like, man, this wind would be iffy, but we could maybe try it. If, if this area starts slowing down, well, automatically when we had that encounter, it's like, we do have a backup plan. We've mm-hmm. already went and scouted yeah. that, you know, we, we don't know for sure. I mean, we're only, you know, three or four days into this trip, you know, but uh, at least we, you know, I, we're not going to go back and sit in the truck for the rest of the evening. I no. guarantee you that okay. right. we're on limited time, you know, but I, you know, so for all the listeners, I, I think we kind of have to break down this encounter a little bit because this isn't your average, like, we're set up in a tree and someone's coming walking in. This is this is the area that we had an encounter in on morning number two, and we watched where that buck went. Then, like the morn, the next morning, we had that we had that buck grunting up there, and he was just slow walking that doe, and we could never see him. Deep, deep, mature buck type of, type of grunts, and so we had got down in the middle of the day, and we're like, we you know, I, you already heard me talk about this northerly wind shift. We're starting to plan ahead. We're like, man, we we yeah. gotta have we gotta have different options in this area because this is it. And that night, we're like, let's let's get in close. Let's just go try it, you know. And we're we're right on the edge of this thicket, Alex. I'm talking like, well within side top pin club, 10, 12 yards. We're looking for a tree to climb up, and we're getting ready to yes. climb up. And we're we're at the base of this tree, and, and we're staring deep into this this bedding area. And I'm I, when I say deep, like it's thick; you can't see very far. But in all of a sudden, it's like it's Kansas two year drought; everything's dry. And all of a sudden, it's like we had stopped just for enough time. Where all of a sudden, I was like, "Dude, do you hear that?" And he's like, "No." And I was like, "There, there's a buck coming." Like oh, he's curious. Man. Like there, there's a buck inside that cedar thicket. And he heard us and it's like, he's been in there with a doe all day and he's, he's going to come out and try to kick our ass. Like, that's what I think's happening. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, dude, get your release on, get like, get an air on, get your release on. And all of a sudden, like Aaron, <laughs> Aaron's like, he's right here. And all of a sudden I'm like, stop, stop. It's a human. <laughs> like it was, this oh, guy comes out of this, yeah, this guy comes out of this cedar thick and it's like, what, what? What were you doing in there? <laughs> I wasn't. Came, full, I wasn't full draw, but I was like clipped on, like ready to go, yeah. kind of thing. And he came like, from the bedding area to you. Come right, yeah. He oh. must have. He must. Alex, have, it was nine must... acres of cedars and CRP, and he walked through the whole thing to us. Yeah, he must have been up in there, and he must have heard us, and he must have finally put it together. But like Alex, when we seen him and he seen us, we were within ten yards of each other by the time we ever seen like that it, it was a human and not a deer coming at us <laughs> so oh this wasn't gosh. your average encounter of someone walking in on you this was like pure disappointment like because we thought we were about to kill a deer you know yeah it's it was it was wild but 
Alex, you did make a comment about cameras. So, yeah, obviously when we were at in Kansas, and now I hear it's on the table for Kentucky public, uh, you know, to to ban cameras or cameras and cell cams or whatever. But, you know, you can't use them on public in Kansas. But, like, how I know you hunt Kansas a lot. Obviously, you can't use cameras now. But, like, how do you combat that now with no cameras? Because I'm not going to lie to you. We found some scrapes. I wanted to put a camera on. Like, yeah, there was a couple. I'm like, and I don't need. I didn't even need cell cam. I'm not talking cell cams. I just wanted a camera there, gathering inventory that I could yeah. come back in a day or two to to check. Uh, I've never run cameras on public. Um, oh, really? Ever at all on trips? Well, okay. I, so I have around here. I, I have around here, but when, when I'm on a when I'm on a trip, I've never run a trail camera on a trip. Okay. Um, I stick to my three day mindset, right? It's like, how you, how can you effectively really run a trail camera in three days? Now your, your point's valid. Could you, could you leave a soaker up somewhere and just gather inventory and see what's in there? Come back the next year or months later and check. Yeah, you sure could. I, I just, I haven't done that. Um, and I, mostly I just don't want to get keyed into a spot necessarily too much. It's like, I need to know what's going on there right now. So yeah, the, I, I get it, man. It's, I don't know. It's a, that's a tough, that's a whole debate in itself. The whole trail camera thing. I, I mean, I just, I try not to let them dictate too much of what I'm doing. And I just focus so much on what the sign and what the sightings are telling me to do right now, as opposed to, cause on a trip that it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's minute by minute, right? I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't play for tomorrow when you're, when you really only have so many, so many, so many days and so many sits to, to get it done. So um, I, I really just try not to, to utilize them or get too much into that um, and get, get worried about it. But, yeah, it's a it's it's interesting that they've they've kind of gone gone more to decide that you know from the, I, two sides right. It's like from an efficiency standpoint, you know, and knowledge and, and data collection standpoint. Man, it should be nice, right, oh, to like yeah. have that intel and be able to put together a game plan and a strategy. But then from woodsmanship and scouting standpoint, it's like kind of like not having them. Just get out there and do, figure it out, man. Put it yeah. together, learn, get better, you know, get better. Get, you just make yourself better, learn more. Um, so I don't know. I could see, <laughs> see it both, both ways, but um, at the end of the day, I just, I just choose not to fool with them. I'd rather, I'd rather go glass or I'd rather, you know, drive around and just scout and go through and like speed scout a spot. Um, it's just, it's just more my style on, on, on out of, you know, out of state trips or whatever uh, doing that, that kind of uh, going that route rather than trying to run a couple of trail cameras. Yeah. Yeah. You got to think on a three day trip. If you, if you're trying to run three or four cameras, you're going to spend half, half your trip messing with those things. Yeah, that's you know, right. Trying to figure out where to put them, whether check them or not. But you know, we, we've heard a lot about the, these three day trips, Alex, you know, and you've been hunting public land for a long time. How, like how, how long into your public land journey did you start gravitating towards these three day three day trips or has that always been like that since day one yeah it, it definitely was a progression um you know it took years uh for sure um and started talking to other people that were having kind of the same experiences you know where it's like you go back to this one area like i said it very much started out um going to one area sticking to a couple different pieces of public for a, you know, a week and maybe having luck and then, okay. So going back next year and, and trying to, it was, it's weird. Like I think about that. It's like, I I've always had just enough luck to progress where it's like, 
just when I'm about to throw in the towel, I'll have that sighting or just when I'm like, okay, I'm so tired of having encounters and seeing them, but not being able to kill them. Boom. Last day or second to last day, whatever deer will come in, I'll get a shot and I'll smoke them. It'll work out great. You know, it's just always, there's always been just enough to get me over yep. the next hump. And, um, yeah, it certainly has not been this like waterfall of success where like all these big bucks are hitting the dirt on public. That's just not how my, not been my journey at all, but it's been a progression. Um, I just started learning like, okay, I'm going to get this. And then like, and then I just like being disciplined and committed to the game plan of like, all right. I mean, I remember it was probably. Hmm, it would have been 2015, 14 or 15. Um, I was really like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be uncomfortably aggressive this, this year. Like I just, I'm going to, it's like my whole approach. I'm going to go in, not, you know, not make bad decisions. I'm going to be calculated, but I'm going to push the envelope. I'm going to find deer. I'm not going to worry about bumping some deer. I'm going to get in there and do it. And I, when I, when I made that decision to do it and stay on the move and say, nope, I got to push in deeper. I got to push in deeper. Nope. I'm going for broke. I don't care what the wind is doing in two days. I'm going to, I'm going to take a chance on an iffy win tomorrow to get in close. And then if it doesn't happen, I'm moving on to the next or whatever happens, you know? So that year I, I, I shoulder shot what would have been my biggest bow buck. I mean, he was a bona fide booner on public in, in Kansas and I shot him in the shoulder, didn't find him. Um, and then ended up killing. Uh, I looked, we looked, man, me and another, a couple of buddies looked for a couple of days, few days for him really. And, um, and didn't end up finding him lost blood. And then actually one of the other, there was a adjacent landowner that one of my other guys knew buddies knew that was kind of by this public ended up seeing the deer. Um, later on knew that he lived uh, never actually found out what happened to the deer if anybody else got him or what, but, and never saw him again in other years. But, and then um, fast forward, like four more days down the trip than that, I ended up killing a really good eight pointer um, by doing that too. So like that kind of, it just like showed so much evidence and then compounding on that too. Like, all right, how do I get more calculated? How to get more strategic, but stay aggressive and stay and stay kind of in that mindset. Um, it's just the, the encounters and, the deer sightings and and filled tags have just evolved from from that mentality and it's not necessarily for everybody i mean it's just one of those things where it's just like i think people's access to information now so much has, has changed that like podcasts like this you know youtube all the hunting you know shows that are around this idea it's it i think it is fast tracking people's opportunity for success but man when you get out there and you get you still have to scout, you still have to get boots on the ground. You still have to put the time in to really learn and understand like what does aggressive mean? Everybody's definition of aggressive is a little different. And and when are the right, you know, when do you go all in and push the chips in or when do you just, you know, wait until the time is really right inside of a, inside of a trip. Um, you know, that's what takes experience and time and, and, and lessons learned the hard way. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, th those those always seem to be the the best learning lessons though the, the hardest ones you know but for someone that thinks that you know i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of people that sit and listen to this and think man like three days like for me to go out of state for three days it almost seems like you know it seems like a daunting task or whatever paint us a picture of like you know the logistics of let let's say you're headed out to kansas alex and uh, i don't care what month it is but like travel logistics uh camping or where you sleep in type of thing like are do you rather leave early in the morning to get some of that first day there or would you rather travel through the night or 
you staying in a, a hotel, something like that, you know, paint a picture of like what a three day trip would actually look like for you. Yeah, it's actually, so there's two, it's two scenarios. So one is truly a three day trip where it's like, Hey, we're going out here just for this quick one or whatever. And the other one is actually the mental aspect of the three day trip. So I might be out there for 10 days. I'm, but I'm in, I'm mentally thinking I've only got three to get it done. So you got, you got, you got two factors. Now, the way I approach it is, um, a couple of different ways is like, um, I've done everything from, uh, I've done everything from camping, um, to Airbnb, to staying with buddies that just, you know, that are relatively close to this one area and met, you know, good friends over the years or had good friends that have lived there. And I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go stay with them for a while and see what the public's like around them or whatever hunting opportunities. So I've done all those things, uh, as I've gotten older and now, married and now kid and family and stuff like that the it's it's i i have to be a little more careful about like okay i'm not necessarily leaving it like you know nine at night driving all through the night getting there getting in the tree first thing in the morning you know it's like i'm much more taking the role of like i'd say if i had to say how it typically works out is i'll leave super early to between two and three o'clock in the morning I'll get where I'm going, whether it's 12 hours, six hours, whatever, midday to late morning, wherever my destination is going to be. Um, and I'm going to spend that whole first, I'm going to usually spend, I would say if I had to average it out, I'm going to spend the first afternoon and night and the first, the, and the following first morning in the truck. I'm just, I'm literally just driving and getting an idea of trucks in parking lots, truck tracks coming in and out of parking lots, deer sign, glassing deer on edges, getting a, I'm taking inventory on food, uh, crop rotations, things like that. And all of those factors and variables are starting to align my strategy and approach of where I'm going to start. And I try to use like from whatever I can see from the road or whatever I'm kind of noting, um, I'm utilizing that as my, um, starting point of like how I'm going to go in and where I'm going to start, where I'm going to start unpacking, breaking down. If I've been to the area or those, those spots before I'm going to use historical information and, and data to help me make informed decisions. If it's a place I've killed on, if it's a place I've had really good encounters, I'm noting what the weather conditions, what the wind direction, what the wind speed, what the temperatures were, every, I mean, all of that. So then I'm looking at the forecast for the period of time I'm going to be there and I'm identifying, okay, I have that where I either killed or had a great encounter. Let's say I have those same weather conditions and the same weather patterns in two days. So I'll probably wait on that one. I'll say, I'm going to save that because it was so good that morning for all those things. Now, granted, nothing's a guarantee, right? It's hunting. It's, it's public land hunting. There could have been a hot dough in there that morning and it didn't matter what the temperature was or what the wind direction or what the speed was. I just happened to be there on the right day when they came through. And then two years later, it's like, it's a ghost town. There's nothing there. Mm -hmm. Same conditions, same weather, whatever. It just, those variables happen. But I've also had it happen too, where I've killed, I think the, the best I've done is back-to-back -back years where I've killed one on public and the same prop, the same track during the same general time frame from the same general area, not from the same tree, but the same general area. Um, so all of those, that's how I personally approach it is I'm unpacking the scenario of, okay, what can I see and gather as much Intel from years, I'm, 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 I got my back pocket, my library of past experiences and, and Intel. And then I'm what is happening right now in terms of crops, weather, 
you know, those kind of situations, pressure. I mean, that's the biggest one. I mean, you hear it all the time, but it's true. Human pressure is the number one indicator of probably what's going to dictate what I'm going to do. Um, but then, I'm, and then from there, it's trying to do, I uh, give myself, you know, okay, it's aligned. The conditions are aligned here, having that three day mindset, or it's truly, I've got three days to get it done. Um, I'm going to push, you know, I may not, I may not go in and say, I'm going to blow this public area up tonight or this morning and I'm just doing it. I might say, okay, I'm going into this. It's going to be in tight close, but it might be something to where I know from however this sit goes in this spot or what I'm seeing on based on sign, I'm going to be within a hundred, meaning the next sit, I'm only going to have to move a hundred yards or less to be on the X for this property. And if I'm not, if I'm not in those within two sits, if I'm not having that situation, I'm out, I'm going, I'm, I'm going somewhere else or uh, going to another spot. Like, that's just, again, it's, I've had better luck and, and, and more and better results taking that level of aggressive, aggressive approach rather than just be like, all right, I'm going to kind of unpack this and, and time and time again, and again, the, you know, the curveballs happen where in, in good curveballs where you might have a, see a big deer off the side of a road on going into one piece of public or leaving one. And you're trying to figure that out. Then it might change the whole game or, you know, you have an encounter in the tree and uh, that you weren't expecting or, or like AB was talking about earlier with your guy, your Kansas setup, the sign was just on, you couldn't not pay attention to it. Like you, you're just like, I can't overlook this. It's so hot. It's so fresh. I mean, that, that changes the game too. So all those, all those little outside factors have to play, play a role, but man, I, I'm a big plan guy. I try to have a plan, but, but again, you can't get married to it either. Right. You've got to stay adaptable and you've got to based on the conditions. So whether I'm there for just a short couple of days or I'm just, I'm there for maybe a week, but I, I always have that mentality of like, man, I got to get it done in three days. Like, how am I going to put the plan together? And that's, generally how i'm approaching it from a mental mental aspect yeah if, if you're there for a week and your first three days are like something that you're not liking at all completely off the wall not good are you basically resetting that three-day mindset you know like yeah. it's day three but then hey we're gonna roll back you know i got day four five and six to go but i'm gonna reset my mind to like it's day one and start over again in a different area you're exactly right. Yep. I'll, I'll start, I'll start really widening. Um, I, it may be, and it, I may not spend, so it's a great question. And you're, you're exactly right. Is that I, I reset that three day clock, right. Or like how I'm going to, how I'm going to approach it. I may spend less time in a truck at that point and might mm-hmm. spend, because those first couple of days I'm, I'm doing a pretty, I mean, I'm, I'm driving like oh, yeah, a couple hundred miles. Yeah. To where it's like, all right, now I know I've got kind of the status of where I'm going um, to where I'm maybe driving less, but I'm, but I'm on the ground, boots on the ground, even more, you know, just, just trying to cover, cover more ground and find that fresh sign. And that's the other thing what's benefited me at this and to AB's point about like, you're just your, what's your comfort zone? Like what you get comfortable in. This took a while for me to really adopt, but I'll do it now where I'll usually sit for the first hour, maybe two in daylight, if I go get set up in the dark in the morning, but then in the evening, sometimes I will, I'll go into a place at noon and scout. And I literally will, I'll, I'll still be moving and looking and scouting at dark just because I, I, I just, I, I refuse. I've gotten to the point now where I just won't, I can't, I can't just mentally and internally, I can't waste the time being where there's just not sign or I can't find the deer. Now yeah. granted, 
there's some places in these public areas where a lot of times too, deer just don't leave a lot of sign. There's a lot of that too, where they just, there's not going to be these shredded trees and these ripped up scrapes and all this stuff. But if you're seeing deer and, I, and, and it kind of turns into maybe a still ending thing, like, you know, the cool thing about the plain States and stuff like that is you can see a lot, right. You can glass. So you get up on a point where, okay, I'm, I'm noticing a lot of trails or I'm seeing some does off in the distance or something like that. Like I might post up there for a little while and just observe of like what's happening and how I can make a move or get ahead of something or whatever. But um, I'm just not going to like, okay, well shoot. Uh, I've got two hours of light left. I guess I better set up on this pinch point and hope for the, I just, that's not in me. I just don't, I don't, I can't do that. I got to keep moving until I I see what I need to see. Yeah. That makes sense because, uh, you know, I'm very much the type of person, whether it's private here in Michigan or private somewhere out of state or public, I feel like I have to know I have an upper hand in going into that set. Like that just mentally, that's where I'm at. I'm not just going to go throw a hope sit in there. I'm not like, that's just not me. Like, if I can't find the sign that I want, I'm not gonna be like, well, I got to get in a tree. You know, it's like, I, I got to keep moving. I got to keep doing what I, you know, and where I can finally get that upper hand on that, that deer, whether, you know, it's a, it's a scrape or a rub line or, or maybe even seeing the deer. I don't know, but I will say like, and I don't know if DJ would agree with me or not, but the, the deer in Kansas where we were at, they just don't lay down the sign. Like we like, mm-hmm. like in Michigan, like the sign that we see here. And I think there's a couple factors. I think, I think we are hunting younger deer that lay down more sign. Um, but I also think that like out there on that piece of public or those couple pieces of public that we were hunting, like, I just think deer every day get, get thrown off their routine so much that it's just like, you know, it's just so random sometimes. And you know, when we did find the sign, it was literally Tyson hit us in the face. Like you have to hunt right here. Like this is, there's like four scrapes within 40 yards opened wide up. And it's like, okay, no, this is, they've moved in here because there's been some pressure other areas, I think. And they're, and they're just haven't been pressured out of here yet. You know, that was kind of my take from it. My, my experience has been exactly the same in those plain States. I totally agree. It's like, you get out there, I have had a decent amount of success finding clusters of rubs and, and security. Now you got to look, you got to look at the bigger picture. How does, how does the sign play into the habitat? How does it play into the vegetation? Right. Is it adjacent to thick security cover? Is it transitional cover? You know, what's, what, it, why is it there asking why huge, you know, got to ask why all the time for everything. Um, but like single scrapes, you know, bigger scrapes, a series of clusters, small scrapes or clusters of rubs, man, you set up on that on those plain States you're in you're in the game and it can be really really beneficial i've noticed the same thing they sign less out there and i think it's also too because of the travel um you know you you think about michigan man a deer going 500 yards to do anything like that's a long ways like that deer i mean that that deer's covering ground yeah 500 yards out there is like they're 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 just i'm gonna go check this out i mean they may be going a half a mile a night just to get to them or even further sometimes to get to food you know it's just a you know, and just so by spreading it out even more, you're going to, you're going to experience a little less of that. Um, they use their eyes out there a lot more too. You know, I think so much sign is so, but it's based off scent, which don't get me wrong. I mean, every, any mature buck anywhere is <laughs> relying a huge part on their nose right. and everything like that. But they, 
they I've noticed, especially when it comes to mature bucks, man, they, they'll find these little knobs, these little rises, especially from a betting standpoint, they use their eyes a lot. So it's like, you know, they might see a doe group off over here, your young bucks coming in there and they're just going to go, you know, chase them off, posture them off, chase these does or whatever. And they may not worry about putting sign down because they're using their eyes to confirm, you know, what they're seeing. I think that happens quite a bit too, but yeah, I've noticed the same thing. It, it seems to be a little bit less on the sign, it, even here in the, in, in Illinois. Uh, where I'm at is is much more heavily signed than it is out, out there out further west. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with both of you guys 110. percent I mean, because I like you said, Aaron, like, getting hit in the face by Tyson, like because when we found that sign, it was like we haven't seen this all week. Yeah. So when as soon as we seen it, it was there, and and Alex nailed it too. I think with the travel, you know, because you know when when we sit and say, well, we were hunting an 800 acre piece. If I'm hunting an 800 acre piece in Michigan, the buck I'm after lives on that piece right the buck we're after in kansas the way the draw systems work out there he he could be four miles away the day before we kill him and so well, it's 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 totally it's totally different like when you you know yeah 800 acres looks great but when i'm looking at 800 acres i'm looking at what's to the east the west the north and the south of it because that all is going to play into probably where i'm going to be hunting some somewhere inside the 800 well, and not to mention, or not to forget about, like, all the public or private around us is there is mm-hmm. bait all over them. Oh, man. You know what I mean? So Corn we're fight- central, bud. Yeah. Dude, we're, we're fighting with 300 pounds of corn piles all around us, too. You know, like, the D- the buck that DJ shot, literally when we found him, there was corn coming out of his exit hole. Like, it was wild. Like, it was just mm-hmm. pouring out of him, you know? And Jeez. it's like, you know, he just, he just caught him. I mean, he had some does work through that morning, so he was probably checking them out. You know, what was it, 20 minutes apart? Those deer were 20 minutes apart or something like that? Yeah, those those two adult does come through just after gray light, and it basically gave me a sense of direction to where I need to be paying attention. And about 15, 20 minutes later, and it's so dry out there, and I think about him a lot. I've told the story about how hard he was lip curling that I almost felt like he was struggling to really keep on track being that far behind 15 20 minutes behind him but you know when like when we caped him out like even in his esophagus it, he still had corn in there too you know it's Jeez. Like, what yeah the heck? so it's like yeah you know we didn't see a ton of deer but i feel like a lot of them they're just living on the private around us you know and yeah. it's just and then when you really kind of like figure that out it's like well we literally need the right doe to come by us like yeah. you know so yeah. Yeah. Between yeah. that and the lack of water, it's transitional. A lot of times mm-hmm. you're hunting a lot of transition stuff and movement and it, it just gets tough, man. It, yeah, yeah, no doubt. For sure. Yeah. Well, Hey, I want to be conscious of your time. Um, one thing to wrap it up. If there's one thing you could tell someone that's going to go out of state for their first public land hunt, what would it be? Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> one thing. Put you on the spot there. Yeah, that's tough, man. Just one? Just one thing. Just one, whether it's a mindset, whether it's a tactic, whether it's something like that, what would be that one thing? I would have to go with a mindset, and it's just what I would tell you is do not get discouraged. It's Mm -hmm. hard. It takes time. It takes experience. Keep it fun, but don't get discouraged. Just keep going and keep trying new things. Keep learning the sign. I would say, and I know you said one, but I got to say another. From I guess from a tactic standpoint, is don't get married to the map. Um, especially here in Hill Country, it's really it, it caught. It's really I've I've finally kind of woken up a little bit in the last couple of years from it. But is 
it's it's too easy now to drop pins and to aerial to e scout and just go and just like all right i'm getting to that spot i'm getting to that spot and that, that's all well and good and, and you can definitely be successful and it's great to have starting points but don't forget to put the phone in your pocket and look around you and see the sign and read the terrain and what's actually happening right in front of you and under your feet those two things stay positive don't get discouraged it's going to happen the next sit it's going to happen the next sit it's going to happen the next sit just tell yourself that over yeah. and over every every time it doesn't it's going you're that much closer to happen the next time and use maps to your advantage of course they're inc- i mean in my opinion probably the most valuable tool that exists when it comes to figuring deer out and hunting ground but don't get married to them use what you're seeing in front of you those are the, uh, that'd be it i love it man well, Alex, thank you very much for coming on and doing this today. I know we'll do it again, but uh, yeah, we really didn't have a plan for this one. I mean, we had some things we want to talk about, but I, I think it went pretty well, man. I appreciate it. I'm proud of you, you public land deer hunter. You're, you're on them now. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm an expert now, right? That's what everybody says. <laughs> okay, so hey, all the listeners are probably wondering, Aaron, you gonna do it again? Oh hell yeah, I'd go back to the same area. Atta we boy. Were. It, it it was just enough of that type two fun where I'm like, yep, I, but now it's like, you know, I'm competitive as all get out and I didn't succeed in the way that, you know, ultimately killing a deer. I'm going back. Like I won't be going yes. back this year. I just don't have the time, but like I'd go back again if I, you know, if I can draw again. So I mm. will say Alex though, 13 to 14 hours is, it's tough, man. Like I feel like we drove by so much public in different states that's just as good if not better like that like dj said like we could do two or three hunts throughout the fall like quicker hunts that you know we were gone for 11 days by day seven my wife wasn't telling me but i found it when i got home my daughter wanted me home so bad she's six now so it's like you know she didn't want to tell me because she didn't want my mentality she knew i would have come home so it's like oh you know, it's just one of those things that like, I think a couple of those three to four day trips at the fall might be a little better than dad being gone for almost two weeks. Not to get off on a huge tangent, man, but this is my first set. This is my first fall as a dad. And I mean, you talk about a game changer boy. I mean, it, it blew me away. I mean, not even, and again, I, you know, I know you guys well enough talk to you guys. I mean, it's like, I know you, we're all blessed men to have incredibly supportive wives. Um, my, my wife is it definitely, in that boat. I mean, just beyond, you know, do not deserve what I have <laughs> by, by any stretch of the imagination. Yep. Um, but you know, she just is so supportive, similar to the way how you just describe your wife. She's downplaying the, uh, maybe frustration or the time away and things yeah. like that a little bit more. But like for me personally, man, I have never not wanted to be home so bad. Like, I mean, I, I, I did a South Dakota trip, 12 hours. I was there seven days, I think maybe it was eight, eight days. And man, by the end of it, I was like, I got to get home. Like, this is crazy. Like I'm just, you know, so to your point, I totally agree. It's, it's, I have adjusted and shifted my, you know, from standpoint of like, Hey, it's the fall. This is just how it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's yes. like I've shifted. I've shifted that to, to exactly what your mindset was. Okay, how can I take two trips to six hours or four hours away rather than I'm going to go for eight, you know, eight days or twelve hours away or whatever. And and and, and if I am going to do that longer trip, I'm certainly only doing it once. I'm not going to do two trips like that. I'm exactly. not going to, you know, I'm, it's not going to be. So 
dude, it changes your perspective so much. And everybody said that it's like, just wait till you have kids, just wait till you have kids. And I'm like, man, I'm going to balance it. I'm going to know, like, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to be, you know, all this. And it's like, man, it just, Oh, it changes you. So for the better, I mean, I, I don't want, I wouldn't want to change a thing, but it's like, yeah. right. I just don't want to be gone like that. I just don't. No. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is too, is like, you know, time flies and they will get older and you know, yeah. maybe those long, those longer trips will come back around again someday. Like that's it, it, it is, you know, like that's, that's the boat I'm in now, you know, my oldest is about to start driving. So the, you know, me, me, them needed me so much to do all the running around. Like those days are starting to slow down a little bit, you know, where it's, I like it. it. It's, it's like a full <laughs> circle. Well, Look don't have, don't have multiple kids on Alex. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was great talking to you today, man. Good stuff. Great conversation, I, I think. I appreciate it, boys. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Spend your Saturdays with Life on the Water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. (laughs) Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. (laughs) The destination for outdoor entertainment.